welcome to episode 43 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church and ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hey, Sarah. We're back. We're back. See, in, in our world, it's been a little bit, of, it's it been has. a little while. Yep. So we are back in the saddle here. Yep. So we had a few weeks where we got to share some content from um, our core, uh, one of our cores, which is where our leaders uh, kind of come together and we get to just refresh with them, see what's going on um, around our campuses. And we had some really great teaching about um, um, rest and kind of rhythms of rest and also things of other rhythms of life. Um, and we we're going to share those with you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed them. And then also last week, I want to say thanks to all the people who sent a message and said, hey, no podcast this week. You're right. There was no podcast last week because um, we're actually on a trip doing some creative work for a series coming up this fall, which we'll be talking more about um, in the next coming uh, weeks and months. But my whole plan was like, hey, we're going to record a podcast on the road. And that didn't happen. It did didn't not happen. happen. And, no. and I and I was an eyewitness to see why it didn't happen. <laughs> we 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 put in each day the equivalent of like three days yeah. of of work and move. It was there was no way a podcast was going to happen. Great idea, but no. Yep, took all the equipment with me, which didn't it didn't happen. So, but anyway, we are back this week and we're on episode forty three. Can you believe it's been forty three? I can't episodes? believe it. Yeah, that's that is. It's it's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, and so today it's just Brett and I on the podcast. We don't have any guests that we're getting to connect with today, but um, we're going to actually go through and talk about some questions that we uh, have gotten through our Kickstart groups. And our Kickstart groups um, happen um, every few months, and it's an opportunity for people to get connected at One Life, find out why we do what we do, our mission, our vision, our values, and ultimately allow you to connect to actual people and connect to a group or a team. And so at the end of that um, grouping experience, I know people submit questions and this is where we try to, to go through some of those questions and we ask, um, today we're going to get to ask Brett all these questions and see his <laughs> response right. on them. So well, it should be really yeah, fun. but you'll be in on the, uh, on the dialogue here. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, it's important to know that in the kickstart thing we go through, we have 12 values and, and just statements that are important to us in particular that we emphasize. And one of them is we believe you can bring your brain to church and, uh, and, and during that coaching around that particular value, that's when people have the opportunity to say, if you know, if you could ask any question, something that's bothering you, something that you've always wondered about, or write it down, and we'll uh, attempt to give uh, a gracious and intelligent answer. That's all I say. I'm going to try to do something gracious and intelligent. I don't know whether it's right or not. That's <laughs> another question, but hopefully it can be, you can at least go, okay, yeah, at least is a, a respectable answer yeah. to what I've been wondering about. So that's how we do that. Yeah, and ultimately something else to help you process it and how you get to that answer for yourself. So, exactly. Um, should be really fun. And um, also, I do want to highlight, if um, you're listening to this before August 18th, you can join our next Kickstart group, which will be ha starting on August 18th. We'll finish on August 25th. That's at any One Life Church campus. You can go to onelifechurch.org slash kickstart, register there, find out a little bit more a little bit more about Kickstart, um, we'd love to have you a part of that group and ultimately a way for you to connect to other people. Um, and at the end of Kickstart, we're actually having a connection event, which will allow you to walk out into the lobby right after Kickstart ends um, and find out about every group at your campus. So it's a great opportunity to kind of just get, get connected. Yeah. So if you've ever just felt like a part of the crowd there and you don't know how to connect to people, those are your opportunities and they're great opportunities. And I also think with Kickstart, I wish people who have been here a while but have never gone should go mm -hmm. uh, because it really does explain why we do what we do, kind of the, the background philosophy around everything that people wonder about and our particular style of ministry. Uh, but sometimes I wish people had been here years even. Be, and plus, it, we do set it up. And they do a great job with this. It's set it up to be interactive. It's not right. just a class. You do get to know people, and by the time you leave, you'll, you'll have some friends. 
Yeah. It's and a great deal. There's some videos that, that Brett created that talk a little bit about a lot of our values and great way to find out. Yeah, you see me on video. Yeah. <laughs> now we've sold it. Now, <laughs> now people, now are, people are like me and sign it. me up. <laughs> oh, man, that seems like a long time ago we made those videos, but it was a fun week in a lot it of really well, It has been a while. Yeah, yeah I'd probably go back and look and see if we've changed anything. <laughs> like, oops, we should have said that. All right, so we're going to jump into some of these questions, and um, I'm going to start out just reminding you guys, if you ever have any questions about the podcast or anything you want to uh, maybe even contribute for us to connect or ask um, here, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. Let's come to me, and um, it's always fun to get some feedback and reactions. We love that, and also anything that you guys um, think is really interesting, we'd love for you to share that out on social media. Check out, um, you can go if you're listening on the One Life app or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening to podcasts, just share that out. We'd love for more people to hear this content because we want to continue connecting um, with people in the tri-state area, especially, but anywhere. Um, we think all this content is relatable to anybody who's listening, and we love getting the feedback. It's really fun. So uh, first question, Brett. Uh, it says, it seems that studies, research, and other sources are used more in the teaching than scripture. Why? That one I, that one kind of made me laugh a little bit, which I, I respect the question because, uh, one, I have a, a couple of theories. Number one, it, they may be asking it in response to the Common Chaos series, mm-hmm. which was very intentionally, I said, here's how we're going to go about it. I opened it with uh, on Easter, and, and I said, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. We're going to look at what science has to say, and then also experience. And so I really leaned heavy into the research, and there's a reason I do that. I'll explain in a minute. But, you know, it was a little bit of a critique, which is fine, uh, But I and I know I do this scientific research thing. There's a few reasons, uh, but I don't think I do it quite as much as the question reflects, Right. Uh, at least in my own philosophy. Uh, for one, the source is always the Bible. And what I'm trying to do when it comes to that is for the typical person in the 21st century, uh, especially an unbeliever, and uh, we say that our mission is to help people who are far from God trust and follow Jesus. So it's very important, like whenever you bring someone who's far from God in your life on your arm, I always want to be aware, anybody that teaches, and our worship leaders, we're coached all the time, always think that person could be there that day. And I've had this happen many, many times when that unbeliever walked in with, uh, well, The thing about it is you have to remember that that person doesn't automatically think of the Bible as the word of God. He most, you want to go with what they think is authoritative. That's what Paul was doing in in, uh, Acts 17 on on Mars Hill. He quoted Greek philosophers because they respected Greek philosophers and poets. They They didn't think about the Hebrew scriptures. He was giving something biblical, a biblical concept, but he did it through their grid. This is the same basic idea. People respect science. If you say a study was done, mm-hmm. you know, everybody does it. I mean, Christian people do it. They'll, they'll kind of perk up a little bit and go, well, really? Okay. Well, because we automatically be in a scientific age. So that's, it's an authority thing. It's like, and I'm wanting to show this book that was written 2000 to 4,000 years ago really does reflect, uh, who God was. We're yeah. just catching on. I even commented on that in the common chaos thing. Like for instance, the Bible has always said love is the greatest thing. Well, just fairly recently, scientists have said, you know what? Love's the greatest thing. <laughs> what a neat coincidence, you know? I mean, and so, and I like, that's a faith builder for me and I right. want it to be a faith builder for people. That's kind of the I, idea around that. And so, um, so, but especially during that particular series, I'll lean pretty heavily into those things. But, um, my, I guess my last thing on that is that because <clears throat> the biblical part of that is that God owns the world. It says all things were created by him and for him. That's why I'm very pro-science because science is the study 
of what God has made. Mm. It's, the, it's the study of the interaction between physical uh, realities, and that's all it is. And it's his world, and it's his thing. And so, to me, they match up completely. Absolutely. And I think even thinking about our vision of, um, of is very heavy focused on the next generation. And I've recently been connecting with some people in Gen Z, which is scary, but also really fun. Oh yeah. Um, you better look out. But, yeah. but asking them questions about how they process information. And a lot of it is based upon, um, they want facts and they, they can find them very quickly because they're yeah. used to just pulling them up on their phone or, um, however they get that information on the internet. And so we want, we don't want to run away from that. I mean, why oh, not no, connect not. what God has you know given us to that as well? And so yeah. I love that you do that. Yeah, it's an affirming thing because, it, like you said, I've, I've heard it, they, that young people will. They'll sit there literally while you're talking oh, yeah. and they will fact check. And uh, you might, and, and there's no reason to, like you said, don't run from it. That's right. ridiculous. I Because I, I don't, I'm not afraid of it at all. I'm not afraid of science. I, I, I think the Bible can hold its own and I want to kind of demonstrate that it can do that. But if it comes off like we're, we're, we're looking to research and we respect that more than the Bible, then that's a misinterpretation of what it was really trying to do. I always begin with the Bible because I'm very confident that it really is God's word, but it's just one of those things that, hey, this shows that this, you know, brain studies, my, one of my favorite quotes uh, is from Henry Cloud. He's a psychiatrist and theologian. And uh, he said, he's, after doing a lot of study of the brain, it's, it's amazing. It's like, Whoever crafted the brain also wrote the Bible. They, he puts them together that way. And so that kind of sums it up for me. Well, it's funny you said that. I'm going to skip down to a question that's a few down. But it oh, talks you're skipping about the down? Brain. Okay. Yeah. Um, it says, I studied the brain often in college, and science elaborates on parts of the brain that can attribute to emotions that contradict the Bible. Can you expand? Well, that's an interesting question. I hope everybody got that because I didn't, I may be misunderstanding it. So I'm going to have to interpret it. It it sounds like he's saying that there are emotions that the brain will have you go through that contradict uh, morals or something like that, that the Bible would express. That's how I'm understanding the question. Yep. That's what I would think too. I feel like I'm one of those, like they need to read the Psalms because there's a lot of emotions in the Psalms. I don't think that's a contradiction at all. So I think the contradiction thing, there's emotions is my understanding biblically. Emotions themselves cannot be sinful. Uh, The Bible obviously is very opposed to sin, talks a lot about sin. But like, for instance, the emotion of anger can be sinful, but purely is not sinful in terms of, it all depends on context and expression, Jesus being the ultimate example. And when you watch Jesus' life, you see him experience and express nearly every emotion you can think of, whether it's deep compassion or hurt or joy or or anger. Mm -hmm. But he obviously did. So it's like the emotions that we have inside our brains are the neutral part and they lean us one way or the other, but it's what we do with them and, and that, that's the biblical emphasis is always on uh, the will and how we express these. Uh, you know, in your anger, do not sin. So I've got this mm. feeling of anger. So I've got a choice in, inside of me how to navigate that anger. And I can do it in a right way or wrong way. And, and it's important. I think that also gets into the mind-body issue. That's a big brain science uh, question. You know, are we immaterial versus material? And so, and they're discovering more and more, speaking of science, that there's indicators that there really is a part of us that we're not our physical brain, that you do have the ability to choose. If your brain flares up and makes you feel angry, mm. you'll feel it, absolutely. But you do have this choice mechanism that seems to be beyond the brain that says, what am I going to do with this anger? Which channel am I going to take it down? So I don't think there's a contradiction, I guess, is my sum of right. that. I, 
and I'm, I'm not an expert in, uh, but I don't either. I think that some of those things, especially my favorite, one of my favorite things that we've ever done here is that when we started doing the Psalms in the summer, because I was going through this really, I don't know, just part of my life where I was like, I was really connected to the emotions I was having and I didn't understand them. And I felt like sometimes I think we feel like as people of faith that we shouldn't have certain emotions. Right. And then when we started going to the Psalms, I think I, you know, picked and choo- chose, you know, some Psalms, read yeah. a few, knew a few, um, you know, as the deer panteth for the water kind of, you know, Psalms that are mm-hmm. out there. And so, but actually reading them as someone writing them, you start realizing like, okay, God created us with all these emotions. And then you start reading the Bible differently, I think, or at least I did, where you read them with emotions instead of the stoic voice that I feel like growing up, that's the only way I was supposed to read the Bible. Like it was just very stoic. This is, you know, the law or the word. And so I think that, you know, at least in this question, I would say, yeah, I don't think it's a contradiction. I think it's actually just um, influenced by uh, emotions a lot. So. Right. I, I, I love the fact, I'm glad you brought up the Psalms because as we study the Psalms, that's one of the greatest lessons you could have. The, the Bible is not even remotely stoic, including Jesus himself. Right. And what I, what set me free was one of the, one of the things that made me fall in love with the Psalms was it's, it's like, you think about it, all scriptures, God breathed. And so God breathed out those poems through those guys who were experiencing. You read Psalm 88. It's got one of my favorite lines. The darkness is my closest friend. I mean, that's as, as deep down depressed as you can get. Yet God gave expression to it in his word. And so you can place that in your mouth and you express it. So they express everything from depression to anger to joy to hmm. it's all there. And so it's actually part of the thing that makes the all of it is uh, vivid and, and fulfilling. Cool. These are fun. Cool. They this are. Fun. Let's, let's keep going, man. Uh, next one. How does evolution fit into God's story and the Bible? Okay. I hope I don't ramble too much on this one. This <laughs> is tempting because I love this topic and I've studied it off and on for 25 years and read more than I should have and listened to more than I should have. I even took a, a grad class on it, uh, just audited a class that was being offered, mm-hmm. a graduate level class on the subject evolution and creation things um, through an organization called Reasons to Believe. And again, I'm going to try to make this brief, but probably (laughs) won't succeed. All right. So evolution comes up a lot. The very first thing you have to do when you ask about evolution is define your terms. Because when you hear the word evolution, it means different things to different people. And it can be, uh, and what that means is some would point to Evolution just means change over time. It's the changing within species. It's it's uh, it's the uh, adaption mechanisms that um, that animals have within them in their environments. That kind of stuff. Some people point to that and they say evolution. The most critical thing when it comes to the Bible is you do have to understand that evolution, in the purest sense, as expressed by Charles Darwin, and if you read Origin of Species, which I'm convinced most people have not. I made an attempt to read it. It's extremely hard to read because it is boring as it gets. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is dull as dirt. I mean, it's, it's, it was rough. If you like pigeons, you'll love that, that book. So, cause it talks about pigeons a lot, but I did read a really good chunk of it. And I read towards the end. He actually has these, he, he, he has chapters called, um, uh, that talk about opposition to the theory or questions about it or challenges to it. But the point that you have to understand about what Charles Darwin was trying to do was proved that you do not need God to get to living beings. 
that was what he said. And that's what the book is all about. He's arguing against what he calls, quote, special creation. Well, that obviously is a contradiction to the Bible itself because there's one thing extremely clear in the Bible, and it's not just in Genesis 1. It comes up over and over and over and over and over again that God is the creator. It comes up in Revelation. It comes up in Isaiah. It comes up in the Psalms. It comes up everywhere. Jesus said it. God was and is the creator of all things, that it is impossible from a biblical standpoint to have what Charles Darwin was arguing for. He was arguing that you could have, you don't need God. You, If you have the right ingredients, kind of hang on a planet, you can start, you can have animals, you can, you can have all the variety of life. And from that standpoint, no, that doesn't happen. Now, what God has allowed within the mechanisms of the species, and he says, go and be fruitful and multiply, well, in the multiplication process, we know changes take, take place. We know that there's mechanisms built within, uh, you know, dogs being the favorite example. I mean, there's, it's, it is amazing that, uh, amazing that it, it, you have everything from Chihuahuas to Great Danes and all the varieties and all that. Right. We know that's built into. And that's what he was saying. Darwin talks a lot about sheep, too, so pigeons and sheep. In the sheep, you know, there's varieties, there's more wool, there's less wool, there's all that kind of thing. So we know that thing happens, but what people do is they point to that and they say, therefore, you don't need a creator guiding any of this. And the Bible would say, no, that does not what that means. That's extending it too far. So does that make sense? I, I mean, think it's, so, yeah. I, I, it's just that, that the, a naturalistic explanation versus a theistic explanation is where the barrier really is. And that has to be clear in people's minds because the Bibles would say, no, you can't get all life from just nothing. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. And they ask, you know, how does that fit into God's story in the Bible? And I think that helps explain that, especially when I'm thinking of, I've heard people say, well, do you think that, you know, when um, people were first created that they could, I don't know, like create the science that they're cre we're creating right now. And it's like, you know, have our brains evolved into more things? And it's like, well, I mean, technology obviously continues to improve and there's all those things that kind of add into it as well. And I think people try right. to put that to a different category. But. Yeah, you could. It, it, it is. It's a category mistake You you because that's why I say you have to define your terms. When somebody asks me, I always say, then what do you mean when you mean evolution? A lot of people think, well, improvement or yeah. development or, and, and sure, that because we know that happens, but we also know that it's limited in its scope. And there's a lot of debate out there. I would I would uh, point you towards uh, the Discovery Institute out in Seattle. Uh, Stephen Meyer is a great author to look up. He did a thing called Darwin's Doubt. It was a mm. New York Times bestseller. It's not necessarily a Christian. He himself happens to be a Christian, but it's a very, very significant, heady, big, thick, 700-page book about what Darwin himself doubted that he couldn't explain. It's called The Cambrian Explosion. It's where all of it, it does look like in the fossil record that this an amazing variety of animals just appeared on the scene out of nowhere without any lead up. Hmm. So how do you explain it? And where does information come from? Because all all living creatures are made up of information. You can't you, you can't produce information just out of nowhere and out of nothing. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So uh, that's important. And in God's story, he speaks, he says, I've created the world and... I've asked all of you, he gives every creature the assignment to reproduce. And I'm thinking in the reproduction process, yeah, you'll see some variations, you'll see some adaptations, you'll see all that. But I think it's part of how God set things up. So Cool. I don't think you rambled on at all. Good job. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, you may get disagreements from our, <laughs> our fine audience. 
So we'll do um, at least two more. We have three left, but we'll see if we get these two. Okay. Um, I think this is one that comes up a lot for people, especially I work with students a lot, and they, they ask me this question a lot, and I'm not sure I ever, ever answered it well. Um, so I'm excited to hear what you say. Oh, oh, okay. uh, many, relig- many religions believe that they are correct, and if you do not believe in them, you will not go to heaven. How do you know which is correct? How do you know which is correct? Wow, okay. You just do. I mean, it's simple. Yeah, it's this way. The Christianity is correct. No, first of all, let me give a plug for on October twentieth. We're gonna you're gonna hear that date. If you're a one lifer, you're gonna hear that date uh, to the point where you're sick of hearing it. Because on October twentieth, we're gonna do arguably the most involved series we've ever done. That is why we went and did the project that we were at that Sarah wasn't able to do the podcast. Uh, It's called Centered, and it's all about how to develop a Christ-centered worldview. Well, the angle is going to be that the in essence that question like christianity says reality is this way islam says it's another way hinduism says it's another way uh, secular atheistic naturalists say it's another way these are all worldviews and they're all presenting you know a, a version of life mm-hmm. and they're saying this is right this is uh, this is right and the other's wrong well that's what we're going to be studying during this series to kind of really understand that um all religions believe they're correct, and even non-religions believe they're correct. Here's the thing about everybody's beliefs. All of us have beliefs we think are correct. That's why they're our beliefs. Okay, we have to start there. But you also have to allow that some beliefs are mutually contradictory. They can't both be correct at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Let's start with atheism sure. versus Christianity. I know it's a simple thing, but we skip over that sometimes. Okay, the atheist says there is no God, or he says, you know, he's saying there is no God. The Christian says there is one. Well, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. If there is a God, the Christian's right. Well, necessarily and logically, the atheist is wrong. And the the reverse works the same way. If the atheist is correct, there is no God, well, sorry. I mean, we're sitting here and we're as wrong as we can be because we believe in God. We're talking to him. We're singing to him. We're studying him. And he's not even there. So they're correct and we're incorrect. You have to get that part down first, that there is a possibility that we can be wrong about beliefs. And what a lot of people don't understand, I think about other religions or whatever else, everybody says all religions are essentially the same, but they just express it different. The truth is exactly the opposite. All religions are essentially different, but they express it very much the same. In other words, expressions of religion are prayers, uh, songs, you know, having services, doing things like that. It's very common. But a Hindu really does believe things about the universe that a Christian does not necessarily. And an atheist does not. He believes in a spiritual reality. He believes in reincarnation, which is, that's fine to have a belief, but the Christian belief is very different from that. But again, you have to get to the point where you can say, well, somebody, if if one is right, the other logically can't be right at the same time. And that's okay. We get uncomfortable with right. that. That doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about it. Right. Um, I, I happened to, I had to, I did work in Afghanistan and things like that. So I had to study Islam and I learned a lot about it. And some things it says are very much in agreement with Christianity. Some of it's very, some of it intentionally pushes back on Christianity altogether. So how do you know which one is right? So you have, well, go back. You have to understand that you have to admit to yourself if one's right about something, it's opposite can't be right at the same time. Right. Not all of us are right. How do you know which one is right? Well, that gets in the next question of how you process beliefs. And that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to use analogies. 
I like using the analogy of UFOs. That's one we'll talk about. Do yes. you believe in UFOs or not? Do you believe in UFOs, Sarah? Let's I, go ahead and just... just I want just to believe. Me. You want to believe, but that's you don't necessarily... That's also a quote from the X-Files, so I had to throw that oh, in yeah. there. And that's like the whole tagline. <laughs> Somebody else will get that. Well, okay, I want to believe. Okay. Um, I think it's fascinating to definitely... I mean, uh-huh. I think it's fascinating... So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I absolutely think I could be abducted any day, 1 being, no, this is the dumbest idea ever, where you fall? Oh, I'm probably about a 5. I'm somewhere Oh, right. you can't say 5, though. Okay, then Re- I'll remove, say... you got to lean one way or the other. I'll say 6. You're 6. Yeah. Okay, and you're I'm 6 more, because... I don't know. A couple just, different reasons. I feel like there is something... I, I, I don't know. I just feel like all of the things that we have created in our minds have come from something like these ideas that we've like oh there's these little green aliens you know on some other planets but i think the term alien is is maybe just um i don't know different in a sense um because there could be other life on other planets i don't know there might be and but i don't necessarily think the little green guys that are going to come abduct us um, yeah but you think the the green big-eyed thing came from somewhere somewhere, okay so it may be and we saw when we were out west we one of the things we saw and we'll probably show these pictures when we do the series on october 20th come up this year (laughs) uh we'll uh we saw drawings that I, it almost made me a believer in UFOs because yeah. I'm like, were these people, because these are drawings from 2000 years ago and they're written on sides of rocks yep. and you're looking at them going, those look like the aliens that we think of. Right. So now my point with all this is that there people fall in different camps on the UFO thing. Well, why do you believe certain things? Well, Sarah was able to give reasons. She, you know, I, I'm able to, I've got a stack of evidence that compels me to, even though I can't prove it, I can't go out and see a UFO tomorrow and, uh, you know, at the UFO shop or whatever else. <laughs> I have to, it's something I can't see, so I put together things I that add up to, it seems reasonable, I think it this, this, this. Well, you know, your religious beliefs are the same way. I believe that Christianity is truth because of the personality of Jesus, the history behind his existence, the evidence behind his resurrection from the dead my own personal experience with encountering his spirit, uh, his people that I've watched, uh, the historical theological backgrounds. That's the pile of evidence that I have for why I believe it. My point is, is that your belief about a lot of things you don't see, whether it's UFOs or the existence of Bigfoot or whatever you want to say, functions that way. You believe it for certain reasons. And so when when my friend, my Muslim friend has presented before me the, the the version of reality that he believes is true, there's reasons why I do think, well, okay, that's a pretty good point. Right. But there's other questions that I have that kind of say, no, I personally don't believe that. I, I've read a lot of the Quran. I've read a lot about Muhammad. I had some suspicions about um, his veracity uh, in things. And I would say that to him. I would be like, that that kind of marked against it as compared to Jesus. So that's why I lean that way. So you, you look at evidence. You look at... Um, Things that convince you one way or the other. Right. And I, one thing for me personally, I mean, I grew up going to church every week. And so I think some people, I've had kids ask me a lot, like, or students ask me a lot, like, what if I would have grown up in a household that believed this? Mm-hmm. Would I believe that? Um, and maybe, maybe you would have more information on it and it would feel more right. natural to you to believe that. But I know that once I went to college, I had this kind of crossroads opportunity of like, do I want to 
um, continue believing what my mom always took me to, or am I going to, is it going to become personal to me? And it was one of those things where I started researching, researching on my own and studying on my own and it became so personal. I was like, I do believe this and here's why. Exactly. And it was, it yeah. was much different than just like, uh, I believe it. Cause you know, my mom took me every Sunday. Like it wasn't that anymore at all, even though that might've created some base and foundation, but no, that, and, and that, and that's very common for me. And I recommend that. I think everybody should do that. I think everybody should look into the research and that's why we say we believe you can bring your brain to church. We'll look at it. I, the, the evidence for the resurrection is profound and it's interesting and it's good. I also think that people who um, lean towards atheism, a lot of times people become atheists because they uh, reject Christianity. Well, I, one of the reasons I'm not an atheist is because I've looked at the evidence for that and I there's certain questions I have about it. I, I think it lacks rational explanatory power. I just do because I've run the experiments in my head. Well, what if God weren't there? Well, it creates as many problems on the evidence side as believing that God is there. So I just believe you ought to handle it that way and, and think of evidence as a lot of different, everything from your experience to logic to history to archaeology to the whole pile of things and see which one stands the test cool awesome well i'm actually gonna wrap up there we're at about 30 minutes which oh, i think okay. Is, okay. is pretty good we'll save these other yeah. two for the next time we do uh, some kickstart questions and again if you are interested in being a part of our next kickstart grouping experience at any of the one life campuses you can go to onelifechurch.org slash kickstart or onelifechurch.org you can find kickstart on one of the drop down menus there and um, we'd love to connect with you and be able to teach you or tell you more about why we do what we do why, what we believe um, and ultimately a ways for you to connect to other people i think that's something that is a major value and anything that I um, have ever been a part of getting connected to other people is is the way to go so um, we're excited to to get some more questions out of that Absolutely, as well because so. that's what a church is a church is a community of people and that's why God wants you in one involved with one involved with other people so cool and then, um, yeah, as Brett mentioned, we're going to continue talking about um, our Centered series, which will be starting October 20th uh, of this year. And uh, we'll be giving you a lot more information. We'll probably have some, uh, some specific podcasts that will be devoted towards talking about some of those conversations and things that you can expect from that. And also, um, I'd love to get our creative team and talk about the creative process behind how we're going forward with some of those things. I think that would be interesting. Cause something I find interesting, and I think it would be really cool to be able to, to share out as well. So. Um, Brad, it's been cool to get back on the podcast. It has. I'm very glad to be yeah. here. I love it. Um, next week, we have a couple guests coming in. We're excited about that. We'll get back to doing video. We didn't do a video on this one. I didn't mention that at the beginning of the episode because we just thought we'll just focus on some audio today and, and uh, get back in the groove here. So thank you guys so much for listening, um, being a part of this. And again, you can always connect with us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. We'd love to hear from you, get some feedback and just be able to say, hey, so thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and subscribe. That way you'll get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If there was something that you heard that you really want other people to know, share it out on social media. You can use the hashtag OLPodcast. To ask us a question here at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I produced this episode. Our music is produced by Micah Robertson and Ben Brock.